We're back. Welcome to the Relaxed Dog Podcast. The podcast where the dogs are the stars of the show. Welcome to episode 98 of the Relaxed Dog Podcast, sponsored by therelaxeddog.com. Thank you very much for finding this podcast. I am your host, Robert Ober, and I hope that you and your dog are well. My guest this episode is Jessie Kirk, and she is going to tell us all about her Pitbull Mix boss. So let's get straight into it. Welcome to the Relaxed Dog Podcast. I am here today with Jessie Kirk. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? I am going fantastically well. So whereabouts in the world are you? I am located in Raleigh, North Carolina in the United States. And uh, we've got some hot weather right now, but uh, I've lived here all of my life and I really enjoy this area. Oh, nice. Very nice. And who are we going to talk about today? We are going to be talking about uh, one of my previous dogs, Boss, who was a rescue pit mix. And um, he passed away several years ago, but he was just a legend, really, (laughs) especially in my life. Absolutely. And they're never truly gone. Never, ever. No, no. As per usual, I'm going to ask you to take us back in time to just before you and Boss sort of met and tell us the hows and whys that that sort of happened. Yeah, so um, I was actually struggling with uh, some severe anxiety and depression, and I was particularly struggling with panic attacks, which if you've ever experienced them, they can be very disruptive to your life. Um, And so I was just sort of in a a dark place, and I had this idea that I was going to uh, try to find myself a rescue dog that I could train as a service dog since I'm a dog trainer. Um, so I went on this mission to start looking for rescued pit bulls and I met several before I finally met boss and I just absolutely fell in love with him. Um, there was a rescue in a small town just outside of the city that I live in and, um, the lady had fallen ill in the rescue. And so one of her friends was helping to place some of the dogs that she had accumulated Um, and we set up a meeting, uh, she brought boss out to my home and where I have a grooming set up. And the first thing I noticed about him was he was filthy. (laughs) He had been living on a farm. And, uh, when you touched him, I was just rubbing him all over. My hand was black with dirt. Uh, he had some skin allergies Uh, so his ears were very infected and he had big sores, uh, on the sides of his face underneath his ears. 
Um, so the groomer in me, as soon as I saw him, I said, oh, my gosh, can I please give this dog a bath? <laughs> At least give him a bath. That's all I do. And um, I really enjoy the grooming process with dogs. Uh, it's a great way to bond with them. Mm -hmm. And it's something that I've done as a professional for years. Um, and it was just really amazing to see the gratefulness in his eyes and his demeanor as I was bathing him. I remember he had these scabs underneath his ears and I was carefully trying to clean them. And, and he just was looking at me with these big soft eyes, just like, thank you. Thank you for spoiling me. And uh, the other thing that was very special about him that sort of drew me to him was the uh, rescue worker told me that he was great with other dogs and they actually had started calling him big daddy or Beethoven because <laughs> of the way he was so sweet with the other puppies in the rescue. Um, and he just had the sweetest soul. I remember at some point when I had him, I had chickens that I was helping to raise and he was just so gentle with them as well. And he was just a great, uh, example of what the pit bull breed can be because he was very large and very scary to someone that didn't know him, but he just had the sweetest soul. And, uh, so that's how we met. And did he already have the name boss before or did that come from? Um, your... yes. So actually, uh, I have a, a rule as a dog trainer that I, I prefer two syllable, one or two syllable names And so Beethoven and Big Daddy were just not going to work for me. Um, so there is a show on Animal Planet uh, with Shorty Rossi, who is called, the name of the show is called Pit Boss. And it's about a, a little person who runs a pit bull rescue. And he actually has a service dog named Hercules or Hercules has passed uh, since that, that time. But um uh, I was a big fan of the show and boss and Hercules had very similar markings. So I just thought, man, I have to come up with a name that, you know, gives a shout out to the show that helps rescue these awesome pit bulls. And he was so similar to Shorty Rossi's dog. And since then the show was called pit boss, I thought boss was the perfect name for him. And it was a B name similar to what they had been calling him. So that's how I came up with the name Boss. Nice. So do you remember the first couple of weeks and the introduction of Boss coming into your house? Yes. Um, so again, he was just so gentle. I mean, it was once I observed him with my other dogs, I knew that I had to have him. And it was just amazing to watch because even though he was a large dog, he was probably about 80 pounds. He was fully aware of his size and he was very careful around the smaller dogs and uh just very sweet i mean i i caught him cuddling with my smaller dogs and you know in those first couple of weeks and it was just amazing to watch because even my grandmother when she heard that i was getting this dog um she said to me oh you do not want to get one of those mean pit bulls no. they're so ferocious and vicious and <laughs> I remember the first time she came to visit, uh, 
I have this awesome picture of him trying to fit in her lap. <laughs> Basically, the front half of him is in her lap. And I just had to laugh to myself like, oh, what a big, scary pit bull, right? Mm-hmm. Like he's in her lap and just being sweet as can be. Um, but he eventually ended up uh, getting cancer, which was ultimately ultimately why we didn't uh, dive further into the service dog training. Um, and I thought he was much younger than he actually ended up being. Uh, but he had mast cell tumors and then eventually, uh, got lymphoma. Mm. And when he got lymphoma, it was of course very tragic. And we're in a city where there's a vet school. So we went to the vet school and he did some chemo, but ultimately it did not end up helping him, but it was, that was one of the other amazing things about him was I was in a time in my life where I had sort of lost hope when it came to humans. Mm. Um, I had a lot of bad interactions with humans and just really was uh, spending a lot of time with my dogs. And when he got sick, I had to sort of rethink things because uh, the chemo treatments are very, very expensive for dogs. Mm. And I wasn't sure how I was going to afford it, but I had only had him for about three years at that point. And I loved him so much that I was not ready to let him go. And he was such a stoic dog. Um, I remember when we would go to the vet school for treatments it was almost like he was walking the red carpet or something. I mean, he didn't act like he was at the doctor. He was just like, Oh, Hey nurses. Hey, give me love. Hello. Yes. I'm here. I'm in the building. And, uh, it was just amazing to watch that even though he was sick, he still had that charisma about him when it came to other people and dogs. Um, but we ended up doing a lot of fundraising during that time for his treatment. And that was one of the things that was most inspirational to me. Um, So many people heard about his story and made donations. Um, There's even a local dog bakery that uh, designed a biscuit just for him and sold them to raise money for his treatment. Um, So it was just, it was just so beautiful to watch so many people coming together. Um, I was making and selling toys he wrote thank you cards to everybody that made a donation um, with his paw print and everything. Uh, so it was just such a, a special thing to witness um, how this rescue dog that had had such a horrible history could inspire people and uh, bring people together in such a unique way. Oh, is, I do so many things for us and yeah you're right the the influence that you know an animal has on humans can sometimes it's just so understated yes i want to go yes back a little bit so when you said you first sort of like brought him in you had uh, a few other dogs in the house what was your existing pack and and how did that interaction sort of go yeah. So um, at the time I had an older chow mix named Grace and she had a tendency to be dog selective or dog reactive. 
Um, she was very particular about who she wanted to be friends with and who she did not want to be friends with. Mm-hmm. And uh, right away, they she sort of had this reaction like, whoa, that's a big dog. What are you doing in my house? <laughs> and he uh, very very nicely sort of said back to her like, Oh, sorry. I I promise I'll be good. I know this is your house, you know, and he just really tiptoed around her at first until he won over her affection. Um, and the smaller dogs, uh, again, that was just, it's unusual to have large dogs and small dogs that can always get along. And, uh, so at the time I had a, Chinese crested powder puff that was 12 pounds and a Chinese crested hairless that was eight pounds. Mm -hmm. And it was very interesting to take them on walks together and outings and things like that, because people would come up to me and say, Oh my gosh, do they, do they get along? They don't fight. And, you know, I would just say, yeah, look at them. They, they totally get along. Uh, But he was just, amazing um and because i was a trainer i had a lot of puppies coming in and out i remember shortly after i got him i helped rescue two uh the, the two puppies from a pet store that they considered to be defective because one was deaf and one was blind mm-hmm. and uh he was a, a great sort of uncle to those puppies while they were with me before they went to their forever homes. But I mean, he even not even just a puppy, but a deaf puppy and a blind puppy. He was just, it was just so amazing to watch the way he could change his uh, body language and his demeanor to match the dogs that were around him. Um, but they eventually all became very close friends, sleep together, cuddle together, uh, play together some, but they mostly just slept and cuddled a lot. <laughs> so I'm guessing from the sounds of it, they had sort of like a free range in the, inside the house or. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, that's always my goal. You know, I have had situations before where we had to do a little bit of what you would call crate and rotate, but, um, he he just fell right into place, and that's why I just knew that I had to keep him. <laughs> and the big question, sleeping arrangements. Oh, yeah. So he was a big bed hog, and I actually <laughs> loved it um, because he was like a human. Um, he would lay in bed and put his head on the pillow and lay just like a human would in bed, and he had the softest, sweetest snores. Um, that I love to fall asleep to, but he was just a big cuddly dog. I mean, you could just cuddle with him like a human, wrap your arms around him, and he would just lay there. Um, he was funny because sometimes he would uh, get up on the bed, and maybe the small dogs were already there. And Muna, the smallest one, she was the feistiest one, and she would say, "Hey, I'm down here. Don't lay on me. Watch, watch where you put your big butt." And he would just kind of look like, "It's okay. I, I've got it. I've got it. Like I'll make sure I don't step on you or lay on you." And um, so he was just great with them. Uh, what sort of yard did you have? Uh, so we have a fenced-in yard, and um, they love to sunbathe. They would go out and just lay in the sun. That was one of his favorite things to do. And the other dogs would lay with him in the sun. Uh, we lived pretty 
pretty close to a little shopping center. So we would often take uh, what I would call Netflix dates uh, back when you would rent the movies from the uh, the Netflix boxes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we would walk all the way down to the shopping center, uh, pick up a couple of movies, get some dinner, walk it back home and have a movie night together. And that was one of our favorite things to do. I'd take the dogs down, get the movies, get the food, come back, have a little Netflix and chill night. Uh, But we did that. That was one of our favorite things to do a lot. I will say that uh, I also had to be careful about, um, he was a large dog and because he was a a pit bull, he would overheat very easily. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, there were some days that I thought, Oh, it's 75, 80 degrees, like perfect day for a walk that he can handle. (laughs) And he had a tendency to just, when he would get tired, he would just lay down and not move. (laughs) And I'm pretty, I'm a pretty tiny person. So uh, I can't really pick up 80 pounds of dead weight. (laughs) And there were several times where uh, he would get tired and he would just lay down and I would just be, stranded basically (laughs) and i remember uh one time we went hiking and we stopped at PetSmart on the way home to do a little bit of shopping and he got in the store and he just sprawled out on the tile floor and i could not get him to move um we were just stuck and everybody in the store was bringing him water and treats and trying to get him to get up and move and i just I knew like, okay, well, when he's cool and he's rested, like he'll get up and we can go again. It'll just be a a temper display (laughs) for a while. (laughs) Yes, exactly. And uh, then it was also, I remember another time we were walking and uh, when we would approach the shady areas, Mm -hmm. he would want to lay down and take a snooze in the shade. And so I was actually trying to avoid the shaded areas so we could quickly make it back home before he would collapse under the, sh- the shade. Uh, so that was a, a fun little challenge that we, we had to deal with there. But I just had to be careful with the heat with him. I learned quickly that uh, I had to be careful with that. can very much relate to that. We've got a, a female black doberman and quite often when we're out, and when it is a little warm, sometimes she'll she'll plot her course to go from shade spot to shade spot. You know, yes. have that little sort of like, oh, dip, walk, 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 nap, shade, I'll rest here, I'll wait for you to catch up, and then do, 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 to the next spot. <laughs> yes, exactly. So how, how was uh, you on, on hikes? Did you have any, any sort of like interesting interactions with any other species? Um, Not really. I mean, I had to – he he was more of a people person so we would go to the markets a lot and walk around um he loved children as well but i had a a, a couple of, of funny outings um he was very into food he would beg for food he loved food 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 i think the dog would have eaten until he exploded if you let him <laughs> Um, and so sometimes he would see people with food and just, or he'd want attention and he would just give out a big wolf. And I remember several times we were at the market and he would see someone that he either wanted food or attention from, and he would go up to them and give a big wolf. 
And I remember seeing grown men sort of jump, <laughs> yeah. you know, at his bark. And then I would have to say, like, no, no, it's okay. He's really sweet. He just wants some attention. Uh, but he had a, a very big bark. He was a very big dog. Um, but with the food, we definitely had some some stories there. <laughs> uh, he was very creative at at finding food and getting into food. And uh, I have a big dog food vault. It's like a plastic container that you put the dog food in and it's got a twisty top that is supposed to be impossible for the dogs (laughs) to open. And you can probably guess where I'm going with this. (laughs) And not only did I have the food in the food vault, but it was sitting on top of like a dresser. So it was up off the ground. And somehow he jumped up and opened that sucker and all the food came out and he ate and ate and ate. And by the time I figured out what he had done, his belly was so distended. Mm. um, He could hardly walk. He just looked like he totally regretted it. (laughs) And of course, you know, me as the dog mom, I I start freaking out. Like, are we going to have an issue? Does he need to go to the vet? Because he was being very lethargic. So we went to the the ER vet and it was it was late at night. And I remember they told us there would be a little bit of a wait. So I was walking him around uh, as we were waiting for the vet. And eventually he took a big giant poop and uh, the vet came out and said, I I think he's good. He just don't (laughs) feed it for a couple of days. Like, you know, he needs to get all of that out of the system. Um, but the, another funny again. Did the, did, did the rest of the pups take advantage of that situation when he opened the food? Uh, I don't think so. I mean, they were not the type of dogs that would eat until they got sick. And they probably had, of course, I was not home or not supervising when it happened. And uh, I've seen a. a at the time, I didn't have cameras, but now I have cameras, so I can look back on these moments and kind of <laughs> really see what happened. Um, but I imagine that they probably were like, dude, you're going to get in trouble. Like, I don't think we want anything to do with this. Um, but we had another funny instance with food. Uh, one of my other dogs, we used to go to the nursing home to do therapy dog visits Mm -hmm. and sometimes I would make uh, goodie bags for the residents there and we would take them, you know, a little bag of candy or treats or Mm -hmm. whatever. So we had these uh, fiber granola bars that I had put in these bags with other little food items for treats. But I remember there were a lot of these granola bars because someone had donated them and, thought they would be good snacks for the people at the uh the retirement center and somehow he again unsupervised got into these granola bars and he ate them many of them with the wrappers (laughs) (laughs) so uh, it was a very interesting couple of weeks after that because every now and again he would start to vomit and here would come a granola bar wrapper Um, and so that happened for uh, several weeks after that incident and Mm. it was very strange (laughs) but you know he 
he just got into everything. I remember one time I had a, uh, I was buttering some bread to put in the oven and I turned around to do something in the kitchen and I turned back around and the whole loaf was gone. (laughs) (laughs) I just thought, Oh my gosh. Like I literally just turned around for a second. Like, how did you do that? Uh, because the whole thing was just, it was like it vanished, uh, out of thin air, but he just kind of had this look on his face. Like, Whoa, you left it there. (laughs) I usually, uh, ask the question a little bit later on the, for you to complete the sentence, I can't believe my dog ate, but I, I think you've already had a couple of good <laughs> <Yeah>. answers there. <laughs> uh, a box of granola bars, uh, a loaf of bread, <laughs> almost a whole bag of dog food. <laughs> Did you have any um, favourite toys? Um, He was not – he would play with toys some, um, but he mostly – just love food and interactions. Mm -hmm. So the majority of the time that I would see him playing with a toy was usually when there was another dog on the other end of it. Um, He really enjoyed that. Uh, And what I do remember we did an agility class, uh, Mm -hmm. which was very fun. Interesting. Because he was a a large dog and um, older, had never had any type of formal training. But man, would he follow a tree through a tunnel, over a jump, you know, through some weave poles. He, if there was a treat involved, he would do it. Um, some of his favorite food, uh, he really liked watermelon. Mm. Um, and uh, that was one of his, his favorites. And so in the summertime, watermelon was a treat that we would share a lot ice cream as well mm-hmm. and of course he got sicker you know that let him have whatever he wanted so <laughs> yeah. if he wanted strawberry cheesecake ice cream that's what he got <laughs> uh, nice nice that you, you had to pick a, a season he enjoyed the most do you think you like the the warmer or the cooler weather or in between Probably the fall. Um, We did have some snow a couple of times, which is a rare event around here. But I do remember uh, him having some fun in the snow. Uh, But I think he just preferred like the cooler weather, but not quite snow. Um, I remember he had a a jacket that I would dress him up in in the snow. And um, he really enjoyed that because he you would get a little, the, the extreme cold and extreme heat were, were hard for him. But spring, fall, he loved those seasons to go out and walk and meet people and other dogs. He was just very social. Oh, nice. Sonny just mentioned the agility. Were there any other sort of um, dog activities that he sort of like participated in? Yeah. Um, agility was the, the big thing that we did. Um, I, I don't think we, well, he did get his canine good citizen. We did do that. Um, that's always important to me as a dog trainer and owning a pit bull, um, to help advocate for the breed and educate people that they can be nice dogs and they can be well-trained. Um, but that's just basic manners like sit down, stay, come heal, that sort of thing. Um, but, he really just uh, 
love to cuddle and lay around and relax and chill. <laughs> How was the reaction from other people that you did uh, agility with, taking a pity? Uh, they loved it. They loved to see a, a bigger dog um, doing little bits of agility. Uh, and it was definitely fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, he, I would say that one of the things that amazed me the most about him was he had clearly come from a, a bad background. Um, when he got sicker and we ended up going to the vet and having imagery done, um, we discovered that he actually had been shot with a uh, bird shot. Oh, he had, you could see a spray of, of lead um, BBs mm. inside of him. Um, and even on some of his legs, you could feel them. Um, they were right at the surface. If you petted him, you could feel the BB under underneath it. Um, and he also had an ingrown collar at some point, And that's where they, keep the collar too tight and it starts to cut into the skin. Um, so it was just really, uh, so inspirational to me that he experienced these types of hardships at the hands of other people, but still was such a loving and trusting dog. Um, and I've spent a lot of time thinking about that as a, a dog trainer as well, because we see a lot of animals that are abused that don't, that still have some form of PTSD from it. Um, and he never ever showed any of those signs. Mm. Uh, and so it was almost kind of a puzzle for me to c- try to figure out, you know, how could a dog endure some of these hardships and still be so loving and so trusting and so sweet and, I think you just kind of have to, you know, it's, it's similar to people, you know, there are people who go through hardships and some of them really struggle with it. And some of them are able to rise above it and move on from it and become better, stronger people from it. Um, and I just wonder, you know, anytime you rescue a dog, there's this big gap of time that you don't really know much about. And so I just wish that, in some way I could go back in time and see how he worked through some of those things, you know, was it gradual? Were there other people involved that helped him to trust people again? Or did he just see it as, well, the majority of people are good to me. There's just these couple of people that have been bad to me. Um, But it's, that was probably the, the most mind blowing thing that I tackled with him because I, I had, I was aware of the BBs in his legs and I thought maybe someone had just shot at him with a a BB gun. Um, and then when we went to the vet, you could see the spray and it was like, Oh no, no. Like someone really Mm. shot something a little bit heavier. Um, and I just, I I had no clue until I saw the x-ray and I could see how many of them there were all throughout him that I think that was when I really realized like, wow, he, he came from a really horrible background. And I think that's also why he really enjoyed 
cuddling and being in bed because my guess is, is that he didn't have a home like that before me. He was probably kept outside a lot. And so the bed and cuddling and the couch was just like pure heaven for him. And he was playing with, well, both yourself and the other dogs. What do you think he, what do you think his favorite sort of games would have been? Um, he really liked tug. Um, and he, he also liked to roll around in the grass and scratch himself. Um, rolling around was something that he loved to do. It was not uncommon to see him just laying upside down with his feet in the air. And sometimes he would hold his head back and his lips would fall backwards and you could see all of his teeth. And he was just sort of a a goofy, goofy dog. Um, (laughs) And uh, any sort of game that involved food, of course, uh, searching for food, finding food, puzzle toys. He was, if food was involved, he was game for it. Now you mentioned early on he enjoyed the the grooming. Did that also extend to things like nails and stuff like that? Or yes, actually, he got a lot of compliments on his nails. Uh, his he would let me dremel his nails, uh, no problem, uh, which is pretty unusual. Um, and it was funny because people would ask me like, how do you get his nails so short? How does he let you do that? And I'm like, he just lets me, <laughs> he just lets me do it. Um, and he did, I think he really enjoyed a lot of the pampering that he got here. He'd probably never experienced a lot of that before. Um, but yeah, sweet, sweet boy. How was he with water? Uh, not a big fan. He didn't have much interest in the water. Um, he just wanted to be near his people and, uh, I'm not a huge swimmer myself. So he didn't, uh, delve into water too much. Uh, he did go to the beach a couple of times. Um, and he really enjoyed that mostly because it was a family, uh, sort of trip. I extended, extended family would get together. We would rent a beach house, take the dogs. Um, and he loved that because it was a, a social environment. Um, but I remember there was another time that uh, my granddad was with us and boss was very good at uh, nudging doors, opening doors if he wanted to go somewhere. Uh, and so we kept telling my granddad, you know, make sure you lock the screen door. Like when you come back in, you've got to lock the screen door. And I had, come back from somewhere and I'd ask my granddad, where, where is boss? And he's like, I don't know. He's in here somewhere. And I'm like, no, he's not. He's gotta be in here somewhere. I'm like, he's a big dog. He's not here. Where is he? And so then we, you know, realized that my granddad had forgotten to latch the, the door and immediately I'm like, Oh, I know what happened. He's gone on an adventure somewhere. So, uh, not long after I realized he was missing, uh, I got a call on my cell phone. Hey, we've got your dog. He's out here just hanging out with us on the beach. We've got a dog. We're eating food. And I was just <laughs> like, oh, yeah, this is him. And he had walked out. He'd gone down the, the pier uh, to the beach. 
walked a few houses down, found some people with food and dogs, and he was just hanging out. He was just hanging out. Um, and uh, they were, you know, only had nice things to say about him, about how well-behaved he was and how he just came trotting up, wanting to join the party. Um, but, yeah, he did have a little adventure there at the, at the beach that year. <laughs> oh, that's excellent. <laughs> yeah. Um, <clears throat> So you mentioned traveling. Where, where was his spot in the car? Uh, he would typically ride in the, the hatch of my car. Uh, he was such a large dog that he had a hard time um, staying on the seat. <laughs> so he was much more comfortable in the back where he could lay down and sort of relax. Um, but he did love car rides. He loved to go places. Um, sometimes he wasn't very big on jumping into the car. So that of course, uh, involved me sort of helping him a lot. It was not always easy depending on how tired he was. Mm -hmm. Uh, but he did really enjoy to, to go places and visit people, go shopping. He loved to shop. Um, there are a lot of local, uh, privately owned pet stores around town and a lot of them have, uh, samples behind the counter <laughs> yep. and they love to give the the visitors the doggy visitors samples and he figured out very quickly uh where the sample counter was and uh i remember several times we walked in a pet store and i thought we were going to do some shopping and he just walked right over to the register and lay down in front of them like uh <laughs> sample please <laughs> I was just going to ask, what do you think his his favorite places to visit were? But <laughs> food, food, anywhere with food. The pet stores were big ones, especially the pet stores that were big on uh, giving treats. <laughs> Did he have any sort of like other peculiar habits? Um. Not that I can think of. I mean, the snoring maybe would have bothered a few people. Um, I, I don't know very many dogs that snore. Um, and I myself am not a huge fan of snoring, but they were the sweetest, softest snores. It was not like a annoying snore. It was almost like a soothing sort of snore that would kind of help put me to sleep at times. But um, I always thought that was funny because my father snored very horribly and, and so do some other men in the family and I can't stand it. But <laughs> those sweet little pit bull snores didn't bother me at all. <laughs> um, to put you on the spot, one of the, one of the happiest times that you spent together. Um, I would say probably the day that I got him back from the vet school um, because at the time I thought that we had many years together um, and when he got diagnosed with lymphoma, um, eventually he came down with a really bad fever. And the fever was so bad that he couldn't walk. He couldn't move. Um, I had to have 
a friend come help me transport him and carry him to the vet school. And um, well, we went to ER first and then we went to the vet school and, you know, it was explained to me that the only thing that would bring him out of this fever and possibly give him a little bit more time was chemo treatment. And I was very hesitant, but I just, I can't express how much I was not ready to say goodbye to this dog. And I feel like he kind of felt the same way. Like, Hey, we just got started with this great life together and now it's coming to an end. And so he had to spend the night at the vet school. And, um, I was just so incredibly grateful once the fever broke and I knew that he was going to be okay. Um, and that I would have a little bit of extra time with him to just spoil him and love him and spend time with him. Um, and that was a, a very happy moment for me because I felt like we were almost gifted a second chance or a little bit of extra time together. And that was very, very important for me. And I think it was for him as well. That's mm. yeah, a, very, very special. Yeah. Having a bigger dog, can you recall some of the more surprising interactions that you've had with people that have, they've, they've sort of like instantly changed their their preconceived ideas about pities and bigger dogs? Yes, absolutely. Um, we experience that all of the time. I mean, my grandmother was probably the the – biggest win we had uh, with people uh, and their preconceived notions about pit bulls and rescue dogs because she was just adamant. I mean, she was your typical older lady who was always watching the news and seeing the stories about the vicious pit bulls that attacked people. And this was the first pit bull that I had ever owned. I eventually went on to rescue two others um, that were very special to me as well. But she was very, very concerned about uh, this choice that I had made. And I mean, once she met him, it was almost instantaneous that you could see like all of her concerns sort of float away. Um, and routinely, uh, we would be out. Um, having the little dogs with him was probably one of the biggest eye openers for people to see that, A... <laughs> He's just walking along with this little eight pound dog. That's yeah, his friend. Just a couple of dogs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I would say, you know, routinely because of his size and his loud bark, um, we would be walking and people would maybe cross over to the other side of the street um, or act like they were scared. And um, if the person was open to it, you know, I was always willing to talk with them and tell them a little bit about him and, uh, but the kids, kids were very special. Um, in my experience, pit bulls can be very good with children. And uh, he definitely fit into that category. Um, he was very sweet with children. Um, so a lot of times children would be curious about him because he was so big and he was so cute. Um, and he was just great with them. Uh but he just was loving. I mean, I, every person that came over to the house, if you sat on my couch, he was going to try to give you special, special attention, 
try to crawl in your lap, give you a couple of wet kisses. And um, everybody just loved him because he was that way. You were not going to enter my house and not be greeted by boss in a nice, sweet way. Uh, and people just love that about him. Nice. Uh, do you think when being on the couch and being with people that he was sort of like uh, had an interest in, say, what was on, say, the TV or on the radio, on music or anything like that? Um, he was not really big into TV. Um, I had another dog that was. Um, <laughs> she, she would even watch the Pixar films with animals in them. Um, but he was never very interested in the, the TV or the radio Um his big things were food and attention. <laughs> <laughs> okay. With the food, what would have been his favorite treat? Um, you can't say he, everything. <laughs> it, it, it would be mostly everything, but he really liked uh, freeze-dried raw treats, like the raw patties. He really enjoyed those. Um, I'm not going to lie. Like anytime I had leftover food, he got it, steak, burger, a couple of bite, last couple bites of a burger, a pizza. Um, but I would say that the watermelon and the ice cream were probably his favorites. Um, I would even feed him the watermelon off of a fork and he would just like open his mouth like, oh, yes. And he just, I, I guess it was just the sweet wetness of it that he just really loved and the ice cream as well I was I remember anytime I would finish a Ben and Jerry's carton he got to lick that carton clean and maybe there was even some extra in there so I would say he was a big fan of uh, Ben and Jerry's for sure mm-hmm. I probably should have mentioned or asked, asked a little earlier but with feeding and multiple dogs in the household was there a, a certain method that you used or Um, no. uh, So every dog has their spot where they typically eat. And um, I never had any issues with resource guarding with any of of the dogs that I had during that time. Um, We actually had a lot of deer antlers and elk antlers, and he was a big fan of those as well. And uh, with that set of dogs, I could leave the antlers out and they would just sort of rotate around maybe like one would get tired of this one and then want the other one. But he was always very polite. If there was something that he wanted, uh, like an antler that a dog was chewing on that he thought was tastier than the one he had, he would just go and lay down beside the dog and sort of wait until it got up and, and left the antler for him. Um, so he was, very sweet and and had good manners with with that as well. Despite him being so crazy about food, he did still have his manners oh, with the other dogs. That's just so so nice to hear. Yeah, yeah. Is there anything else coming to mind that you'd like to share about Boss that we that I haven't asked? <laughs> um, I mean, I just I can't stress enough. Um how much these dogs can make great dogs. Um, So that my hope would be that maybe some of the listeners 
would consider adopting a pit bull themselves. Um, I got really uh, invested into it because uh, I don't know what it's like in your area, but around here, if you go to an animal shelter, probably about 80% of those dogs are going to be pit mixes. Um, and because of the poor reputation that they can have, a lot of times those dogs are overlooked. Um, and uh, they are some of the best dogs that I have ever owned. Um, my rescue pit bulls, which I've had three uh, total, were just some of the most special dogs that I've ever owned. Um, and even an adult dog, uh, a lot of times you will see dogs and, and the dogs that probably need the help the most are dogs that don't get along with other dogs. I see that a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, sometimes there are pit bulls up for adoption that cannot be with other dogs. And if you're the type of person that feels like you are an only dog type of person. You just want one dog. I have one of my best friends is that way. She, Jesse always has four or five, three, and she just wants her one. Um, so if you know you're the type of person that just prefers one dog, you know, giving one of these dogs a chance um, could be a really great experience for you and the dog. And even with things like leash reactivity, you know, say you were to get one of these dogs that didn't necessarily like other dogs, there are some great positive reinforcement trainers out there that can help you train the dog so that it is less leash reactive. Another, another one of my pit bulls was that way. And after about a year of solid training and just showing him that he could trust other people and dogs from a distance, uh, he got to the point where I didn't even have to ask him to focus on me. He would see a stranger, another dog and just look at me and get his treat. Um, so really would, would love to encourage other people to give, uh, this, this breed, uh, rescue pit mix a chance. Absolutely. So you mentioned in the beginning, you were already grooming when you got boss. Would you say mm -hmm. he influenced your career in any way? Were you already doing some, some training then as well? Yes, I was already doing some training as well, but um, I think he uh, did really influence um, my, my training um, because I was able to prove to myself that uh, I could take a rescued pit bull and have a great dog. Um, and so it really sort of boosted my confidence into like, Hey, these dogs may have gone through, you know, bad things, but that doesn't mean that they can't be great pets. And, uh, the other sort of fun thing that I, I did with him, uh, with regards to grooming is, uh, I do a little bit of creative grooming as well. Mm -hmm. So, uh, coloring and carving and things like that. And uh, he had several surgeries to remove the mast cell tumors that kept popping up on him. And so one cute little funny thing that I remember doing is when he would go in for a surgery to have these tumors removed, I would shave them for the vet and I would shave like a, a heart 
um, over the tumor. <laughs> so he had all these part patches on him. So the vet would know where the tumors were. And of course, you know, they might have to shave the heart off to make a bigger space to, to do the surgery or whatever. But, um, he was, <laughs> he was sort of my test subject for that as well. But it also, I think brought a little bit of light to the situation because it, it was very sad that he struggled so much with his health. Um, but it was fun to, to walk in this dog coming in for surgery with all these giant heart shaved patches all over. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> yeah. Would you like to give out some uh, information and links on your training and, and what you're doing now? Sure, absolutely. Um, the name of my company is called Howling Moon Pet Care. And you can visit our website, which is www.howlingmoonpetcare.com to read more about the the training services that we offer. Um, The thing that's probably going to most interest your listeners, uh, since it's uh, spread out all over the world, is a virtual session. So I do offer virtual training sessions for people. And I've worked with people all over the U.S. Um, I really enjoy it because it oftentimes presents challenges that uh, I might not necessarily face in my own city. Um, I work with people in New York City and Chicago where they have like the really cold temperatures. And sometimes you can't take your dog out to potty when you've got these big wind chills and things like that. So um, I just love getting to know people all over and helping them with their dogs. Uh, it's it's almost like I get to take a mini vacation for an hour on a virtual call sometimes. Um, so, uh, yeah. Uh, Jesse, it's been a pleasure chatting with you. Yes, I very enjoyed it. Enjoyed I it a lot. Really, really enjoyed hearing all about Boss. I know I can tell people that... Both our eyes got fairly moist, but we sort of held it together. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Absolutely yes. awesome dog. I know he was only with yes. you for a, yes. for a short time, but wow, what what a time and, and to pack that much sort of love into that space. Yes. He made a huge, huge impact on my life in many, many ways, um, and I'm incredibly grateful to him for that. Um, so, yeah. Yep. Thank you very, very much again. Thank you so much. Thank you very much for listening. I hope that you enjoyed the show. Thank you to our new listeners in Shaw in the USA and also in Paris, France. Uh, If you want to leave a review on whatever platform you are listening on, it would be appreciated. Uh, I'd like even more so that if you enjoy the show, tell someone else about it and they can also jump in and have a listen to some fantastic and awesome dogs. If you have or know of anyone that has an awesome dog and may be interested in being on the show, drop me a line. Also, like, share and subscribe. Until next time, stay safe and remember, your dog is family.